I don't know about you, but I, I live in a mesh of devices and software applications that automate my life. A mesh, and we're going to talk a lot about that mesh today. I love the mesh. For example, I mentioned before, I have a smart home. My smart home has automated lighting. It has away programs. Uh, certain times of the day, lights go on, lights go off. I have an automated sprinkler system. It knows when to, when to water the lawn. It knows when it's freezing outside or too windy. It automatically turns on and off. Uh, I have a spool in the back, a spa pool. Not a huge pool, not a hot tub. It's called a spool. And the spool has a completely automated system that when it's uh, freezing outside, it runs all night long just so that there's no way that the system can freeze. And by the way, I can talk to the spool remotely from anywhere in the world, turn it on, set the temperature. It's amazing. Our HVAC system, our air conditioner and heater, it's all automated. And of course, I can change it from anywhere in the world. And then all around our house, we have Amazon Echoes. The Amazon Echoes are tied into the mesh that is my smart home so that I can just tell the Echoes what I want. And then that would happen. I could say, turn on the lights on the back patio and that happens. I can say, turn on the TV in the living room and that happens. And then let's not forget the all-important Roomba, which automatically vacuums the house. Now, I'll stop there, but you get the idea. My home is a mesh of devices and software that automates things in my life to make it easier. Now, when I leave my home, I step out into my truck. I have a newer truck. When I come even near my truck, the lights come on, the running boards come down automatically. It has an alarm system that is all automatic that I didn't even know it had until I started getting notices on my phone that the alarm system was going off on my truck, uh, which means everything on the truck now is connected to my phone. I can start my truck from anywhere from my phone, not to mention all the other things that that truck does, like connecting to my phone to be able to share music. So I have a lot of automation in the truck. That also means that I've got uh, adaptive cruise control so I can automate the whole driving process. And every day we know that gets better and better in vehicles, moves us more to full autopilot. So then I have applications on my phone. And I, I'll just mention a few, but we'll talk more about this. I have applications that watch the world and alert me to activities or entertainment that I might want to know about. Uh, the applications also gather lots of information and store it on the phone and organize it so that I can listen or read exactly what I want to and what I'm interested in so that I can learn quickly. All of this is automated. This is just small pieces of the mesh that is automation in my life. So welcome to podcast number 23. It's a third podcast in our Intelligent Automation and Humology series. And so I want to move from the last podcast where we talked about intelligently automated organizations to now our intelligently automated life. Now, when most people think of automation, they think about business. I mean, they just think about factories. They think about Industry 4.0, right? They think about things like that, about how we automate work or how we automate processes at work. I think it's time that we at least take a few minutes and think about intelligent automation in our personal lives. And remember, I'm highlighting intelligent automation. You know, this is not just we have a, a robot that does some work on our behalf. It's that we have software, AIs, machine learning. Right? We have uh, decision support systems. We have all kinds of systems that are intelligent that help us automate our personal lives. Now, everybody listening to this, there are going to be people that are at different points on the curve of how much you've automated your world. Obviously, I'm interested in this. It's a bit the, the field that we're in at future point of view. And so, you know, we're always looking at, all right, well, what else can we do to test out to automate our lives and make our lives easier? So maybe I'm at a higher point on the curve, but there will be some of you listening that have done more than I've done. There'll be some of you that have done less than what I've done. 
that's not important, and I'm only using my life as an example because I know my life better than I know everybody else's lives. And so I do understand, though, that you may have more or less automation. So we're just talking about the concepts and the philosophies here. Try to pay more attention to that than anything I say about you know automation in my life. All right, so we are automating our personal lives. We are. I mean, all of us are at some level, even when you just buy a new vehicle, right? You've bought more automation, whether you like it or not. So we are all automating our lives. And like I said, I think it's time that we talk about the impact of that going forward. Now, let me again go back to the mesh, okay? We have a mesh of systems and of software and of devices that we integrate to create all this intelligent personal automation. And why do we want that mesh? And why are we building it? Now it's under construction, right? You might not have thought about it like a mesh. I, I like to think about it like an umbrella, a mesh of systems, because they're around us all the time, everywhere that we go. There's data being uh, shared on devices, systems, ours, and other systems, third-party systems, everywhere we go. So it is like a mesh of systems that follows us wherever we go. Now, what do we want from that mesh? Now, we, we, even if we're not thinking about about it in such a way as a mesh, if you will, for just a minute, what do we want from it? Well, let me give you a list. I mean, first of all, we want it to make our lives easier, obviously. We want the mesh to help me do tasks for me so that I don't have to do them. I don't even want to think about them. So any tasks you can do so that I don't have to worry about it, that's fantastic. You know, I, I told you, for instance, that you know we have Roomba it automatically vacuums the house. There you go. There's a task that somebody at the house doesn't have to do now, you know, or the automated lighting programs. I don't have to turn the lights on. And you might say, well, how hard is it to go turn lights on and off in your house? Well, it's not hard, but what about when I'm not at the house? You know, then I don't even have an ability to turn them on and turn them off. So we want the mesh to just help us to, to do tasks for us uh, so that we don't have to do them or even think about them. We want the mesh to help us be healthier. So in other words, automate the tracking of my activities everywhere I go. Show me what the impacts are of my activities so that I can make good decisions. Now we're just at the front end of this, right? But obviously we can track how we're sleeping. Uh, we can track how many steps we've walked, you know, if you if you want to, you can track what you're eating. So we're at the very front end. We'll talk about it more in the future here in a minute, but, you know, that's another thing that we want from the automated mesh is just watch over me, watch what I'm doing, and from a health standpoint, give me advice and input about how I can be healthier. All right, less stress. You know, we want the mesh to just help us have less stress. Why? Uh, no one likes to have stress. Nobody likes to have 50 things that you have to be thinking about at any one moment because it puts a lot of strain on our minds, that robs a lot of energy, it's just plain stressful. So with the automated mesh, it takes care of more and more of the details in your life. Now, certainly you can see when I told my story of all the things that I have between our home, between my vehicle, the things I wear, my wearables, all the software that is around me, as those things have been built out into uh, at least an early starter mesh around my life, it lowers my stress levels because there's just plain less I have to think about, less I have to take responsibility for. All right. Now, you could argue, hey, there's another way to do that, Scott. You don't need to automate it. You don't need to have a mesh. Just go live in a log cabin somewhere. Go off the grid. And I completely agree with you, by the way. I think that's a, a whole nother way to deal with it. But if we're going to make a choice to live in in the world uh, and not step off the grid and go live in a log cabin, if we're going to make a choice to live in the modern world, then the automated mesh comes together to help lower stress. All right, help me have more fun. There's two reasons why the automated mesh helps me have more fun. Uh, one is because it's 
it's constantly telling me uh, new things that might be fun for me to do. In other words, there are decision support systems built into Netflix. I mean, there's decision support systems built into the operating system of my phone that, that give me alerts, that give me information that say, hey, maybe it's time to rest. Hey, maybe it's time to breathe. Hey, maybe it's time to stand up. Hey, maybe it's time to watch the show, right? So the automated mesh just helps me have more fun because it is able to watch over me and make suggestions. But the other thing that it does is it frees up time. It frees up time, and that's incredible. I'll come back to that in a minute as well, all right? It helps me be safer. I want to say safer, safer from harm, uh, physical harm mainly, okay? It helps me be safer. Why? Because it's watching out for what I am doing. The mesh is always watching me in some way. It watches where I am, what I'm doing now, the environment that's around me, uh, if I'm driving, you know, what my activities are. And because it is watching over all of this, there are settings, there are automations that I can use that give me advice on how to make sure that I am being physically safer. Now that could be, you know, advice about not using my phone when I'm driving, you know, but it could also be advice of, hey, this area that you're in right now, you know, maybe you shouldn't get out of your vehicle and walk across a dark alley. So all the automation mesh has a growing amount of ability, which it will continue to grow, by the way, to just help me be safer by watching over me and the environment that I'm in. All right, I want to go back to that time thing because I'd like to wrap all this up, but what do we want from the mesh? You know, all of these things that I've mentioned earlier, uh, we can do without the mesh. Uh, we can be healthier, right? Uh, we can make our lives easier. I told you that. We could go live in a log cabin. We could be off the grid. You know, we could have more fun. All of these are things we can do without the mesh. But again, if we're going to live in the modern world, the mesh helps us be able to accomplish all of these. And in most cases, because it saves us time, the mesh takes over responsibilities from us so that we do not have to do those, which then frees up time that we can reinvest in whatever we choose. That's one of the most important things to understand of what we really want from the mesh. Yes, I want it to take care of all kinds of details. The reason I do is because I want it to free up time for me. Now, when I was putting this podcast together, a question I kept asking myself is, what percentage of my life, what percentage of the tasks that I do are now automated? Uh, I'm going to say the estimate is maybe 25%. So when I look at my normal day and I look at everything that the, the automation is doing for me on behalf of me, if I had to do all those things, if I chose to do all those things, it probably would take 25% more of my time to deal with all of those things. So I'd say right now, you know, the mesh is able to automate 25% of my life. So hold hold that thought. Now, let's just talk about a few other things, just details about things that are automated in my life, just specific things like uh, e-commerce. Think about automated uh, shopping, shipping, and replenishment. Uh, the ability for me to not only shop online, you know, automate the process of being able to find what I want by just doing a search, uh, you know, hit a button and automate the payment process, you know, the shipping and getting it to my front door process. Right? Think about e-commerce as a full automated process. And then the fact that you can do automated replenishment. And so you can just set up the system to ship to you on regular basis. Now my paper towels are coming once a month, right? And so now I don't even have to, to think to do that piece of the shopping, right? Or think about automated communications. The, the fact that the grid more and more is automating what I might say to somebody else or something else or what it says to me, automating it. So for instance, automating who can talk to me at night. You know, my my uh, iPhone has the ability, right, to, to pick different states and based on the different states, you know, sleeping or, or just offline, I can program in who can communicate with me and who can't. And so I can literally gate the communication levels with me and automate all of that just based off the time of day or what I'm doing at that moment if I happen to be driving or notifications. Think about the, the communication to me by all the different notifications that I can set up so that I'm automating information 
information flow. This is tr a, a tremendous benefit because now things that I would like to know about, either I stop the situation where I just never knew, or that I would have to spend a lot of time going to try to discover whether that condition or that thing has happened. So I love being able to automate notifications to just, hey, alert me on my phone or alert me on my Apple Watch uh, that something is happening that I would like to know about so that I am better informed without having to do the work to be better informed. Like an example of this is Airlines app. You know, the airline apps, if you fly a lot, are getting better and better. And the airline apps, not only on my phone, again, they tie into my Apple Watch. They monitor what's going on with the flights. They understand where I am standing at that moment. They give me information that my plane is boarding or they alert me that the plane is late. So the airlines are able to communicate with me at a very deep level. Again, even knowing where I am physically to be able to trigger notifications or healthcare apps, same kind of thing, right? A healthcare app that's able to grab data off of my app. Apple Watch and be able to communicate with me things I might need to know about my health. So I'm just trying to paint the picture for you of where we are now, and we're not that far into personal automation. In other words, historically, you know, let's just say maybe we're 20 years in to really having some fairly good tools, and that's not a very big amount of time. In another 20 years at the pace that we're going, instead of being able to automate 25% of the tasks in my life, maybe I'm able to get up to 50% of the tasks in my life. So Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the future. And I want to do what I do a lot of times in podcasts. I don't want to just paint a rosy picture. This is the digital optimist. And generally, I am optimistic about things like what personal automation will do for us. But I also want to be balanced. And I want to talk about what are some of the negative aspects of this as well. So let me cover those first. And then I'll go more to the positive side. So when I look at the negative aspects of personal intelligent automation, uh, I'm going to start with loss of privacy. In order to give us that automation, that means other companies, right? The providers of the software, the devices, the system, the providers of the mesh, those people have to know more and more and more about me. They have to know more and more and more about my preferences in order to be able to automate things on my behalf. So there, there is just a, a math equation that we cannot get away from that as we want to automate more and more of our lives, we will lose more and more privacy. And you have to be okay with that. Again, I'm not trying to value judge whether you should automate your life or not automate your life. I, I have no problem at all with somebody living off the grid and saying, I don't want any part of this. I think that is a wonderful choice. It's a wonderful way to live. I think you can be very happy and healthy doing that. Again, if you're going to live in the, in the, I'll just call it the modern world, uh, the technology augmented world, if that's where you're going to live, you're going to have a loss of privacy every time you automate something. You know, my truck now knows a lot about me and knows everywhere where I am, in order to provide what it provides for me, it has to know me more, which means the Ford, who is who makes my truck, has to know me more, all right? So there's going to be a loss of privacy. Another one, complexity. I think about this a lot, about this mesh is, is not an uncomplicated thing to build and integrate. You know, we're responsible for assembling the mesh. Nobody assembles it all for us. Every time we download an application, every time we buy a new smart device, every time we, we upgrade our smartwatch or upgrade our phone, our mobile device. Every time we do that, we are augmenting and changing the mesh. We're integrating it in different ways. If I really sat down and counted it, I am sure that there are over 200 pieces to the mesh in my life right now. 200 pieces between applications and devices that are critical to forming that mesh. At least 200. And those 200 have to be connected and work seamlessly together. Now, that is not easy. There's a high amount of complexity to that. And if any one 
thing doesn't work correctly, it could take down many other things with it. So in other words, if your mobile device stops connecting, okay, it's going to take a bunch of your automation offline. And so there is a complexity to this mesh and maintaining this mesh, which is going to be a problem in the future. It's already frustrating to a lot of people who are not very technology oriented, who want the mesh, but yet just don't understand technology very much. And that, that is an incredibly frustrating place to be. All right, cybersecurity risks. As you build the mesh and you become more dependent on it, then you're giving cyber criminals more ammunition to be able to get to you. I mean, first of all, because there's more devices and more software that they can hack to be able to get to you, to get to your mesh. But also, if they take control of any piece of your mesh, they have more leverage over you. Now, that leverage could be just having to pay a ransom uh, to be able to get part of your mesh back. But the security risks are going to grow because as we become more and more dependent on a more and more complicated personal mesh, there's going to be more and more opportunities for digital criminals to get in, take over part of that mesh, and make us pay to get it back. I've been saying this for a long time. You know, it is just a matter of time until the digital criminals start taking over smart homes, and they'll take over the control of your smart home, and they'll say, look, we'll give it back for $300. You know, we'll give it back for $500. And they'll pick an amount of money that is low enough that it isn't worth you trying to put in new equipment or go hire somebody to try to get the criminals out of your smart home. You'll look at it and say, all right, fine. You know, I'll pay the $200, or I'll pay the $500, I'll put better passwords on my smart home, and we'll just keep getting on down the road. Like That's going to become a normal type of security attack that's not going to be happening to businesses. It's going to be happening to millions of just regular people who automated their lives, but by automating their lives, they upped their attack surface, as it were, made it easier for the digital criminals to get to them. All right, then we've got the dependence on the mesh. You know, we cannot look away from the fact that this is going to be a potentially negative thing as well, is having a dependence on the mesh. You have to understand in the future, and we'll talk more and more about the future uh, later in this episode and in the next episode. So as you look into the future and you say, okay, now it's not 25% of what I do in my life that the mesh controls, right? Now it's 50%, 70%, right? When the mesh is responsible for a dramatic amount of how you get through the day, then there will be a growing dependence on the mesh. Dependence to make decisions for me, dependence to make my life easier, to the point where when pieces of the mesh go down and you talk about stress, right, it'll be tremendous because then you'll be doing those pieces on your own or by hand. So I think something that we got to be aware of is the mesh is wonderful. We will also have a growing dependence on it, and that is not going to be a positive thing in the future. All right, one more thing I want to mention, and that is the digital gap. I talk a lot about uh, the digital gap, the gaps that are growing in the world between those who can use technology well and those who don't or can't afford it. Obviously, you know, the digital gap is going to grow when it comes to personal automation. You know, those of us who are really good and have the money to be able to highly automate our lives, it's going to make us in some ways have, have an unfair advantage. We'll have more time on our hands to be able to go develop our careers. We'll have more time on our hands to be able to, to learn anything that we want to learn. We'll have more time on our hands to just have entertainment and enjoy ourselves. So I do worry that those who really can explore and build a tremendous digital mesh to help with their personal automation, those people will have a big gap between what their lives are like and the people who either cannot afford or do not understand how to automate that mesh. And so they're stuck still doing a lot of mm, tasks that aren't that much fun because they don't have the choice. And I know as simple as it sounds, you know, uh, having an automated lawnmower and an automated vacuum cleaner at your house. Just having those kinds of things means I don't have to mow the lawn. I don't have to, I don't have to vacuum the house. Those people who can't afford it or don't know how to use one of those devices, they're having to burn hours of their week doing those tasks. So 
I'm worried about the digital gap growing. All right, enough of the negative side. Just wanted to make sure that I did acknowledge that, and we, we always need to acknowledge that. Let's look more on the positive side. Now, we know when we go forward into the future, we're going to have just a higher level of integration between devices and software. So what that means is as we get better and better devices that can do tasks for us, that know us, that have sensors, that can understand what we're doing, we mix that with AIs, much more intelligent software. I think about it like the device mesh meets the intelligence mesh. Okay, See that in your mind for a second. It's not just that I have a lot of devices like at my house, you know, let's just say the HVAC system, the uh, the lights, the music, uh, the ability to turn the fireplace on and off, the ability to set the alarms, the ability to open the garage door, right, from the smartphone. All of these capabilities, those require gear, they require technology, devices. Mix that with a highly intelligence, uh, intelligent control system that now it knows. It knows that I'm sitting out in front of the garage door. So it opens it. It doesn't open it when I pull down the driveway because then I got to wait for it. It opens it long enough before I get to the driveway that it's open when I get there. Why? Because it's intelligent. I could do this all day of what happens when the devices in our life meet AIs that learn to know us and how they can pave the way to make our life easier. Again, the device mesh meets the intelligent mesh. I love that thought and what it's going to be able to do. Then in this world of complexity, you know, what we can do to make it easier are things like no code setups, right? I mean, today it's a little bit difficult to program the systems to automate the smart home, right? But what happens when we get no code setups? In other words, I just talk to the system in plain language and it programs and does what I want it to do, right? So that's an important thing to understand is not only do we have an intelligent device mesh that's got hundreds and hundreds of capabilities that I want, when I also have the ability to be able to just speak to it in plain language with natural language processing and it programs the way I want it to program, ah, you know, that makes it nicer and nicer. And again, I told you we have Amazon Echoes, Amazon Echoes, just as, you know, a device like any of the smart hubs, they're getting smarter and smarter. There's more and more to, of an ability to just tell them what you want them to do, and then they convert that into the programming to do it. You don't actually have to go and write any code on your mobile app. You just talk to them, tell them what you want. Now, I would say that adds up to a word that I think is going to be important, cognitive automation, cognitive automation. If you hang around me long enough, you'll see that, that I have different levels of automation that I'll talk about. You know, at the lowest level is just mechanical automation, right? That's the lowest level, you know, and then you have digital you know, automation. And when we get up to cognitive automation, what I mean is the intelligence of the automation system is so smart that, that it understands what I'm trying to accomplish and it can make adjustments on my behalf. It's cognitive automation. It knows me. It's learning about me all the time. It's self-learning. It can weigh many factors, many, many dynamics, including ethics and morals. And then it can seek to act on my behalf, okay? Cognitive automation. That is, that is where we will go in the future. And, and I think about that. And I think all the implications of now I have a mesh, have a mesh that understands me, and then, then I have a mesh that can be cognitive and make decisions as I would make decisions. That is an amazing future to think about. All right, maybe it's possible when we get to cognitive automation, it's possible for me to get up to 75% of all of the work or activities that I would do in my personal life are now done by the intelligent mesh, 75%. It's amazing to think about, right? So that ends up amplifying the safety net that is around me all of the time, which can lower crime dramatically. And I believe that's going to happen, that we're going to be able to put a safety net, a digital safety net around our kids, our parents, us. And that digital safety net is just the automated mesh watching over us, constantly searching criminal databases and crime, constantly doing math on what's safe and not safe for us to do, alerting 
rewarding us based on our risk tolerance levels. Uh, I can see so clearly how the automated mesh in the future, when it's cognitive, comes, you know, helps us be so much safer. And then, of course, healthier. We already started that conversation. Uh, but I've also believed for years that one of the powerful things about personal automation is just being able to pull huge amounts of uh, health data off of my body and then being able to give me advice all along the way as far as what I should do. Small example, my Apple Watch today monitors the sound, the level of sound where I am. And it gives me an alert if the level of sound goes above, let's just say, 80 decibels. So when I'm at a football game, an outdoor live football game, and everybody starts cheering and screaming, I get an alert on my watch saying, hey, sound levels above, uh, you know, what is healthy. Now, I don't react to that a lot today. In other words, I don't stick my earplugs in the moment the thing notifies me, but I'm just showing it as a harbinger of things to come, right? The device is mixed with some intelligence, and then it's basically talking to me, telling me, look, if you want to stay healthy, if you don't want to lose your hearing, you might want to be aware of the situation that you're in right now. I love that. Can't wait till there's 50 types of notifications like that, okay? So I see real goodness coming out of this cognitive automation. I see goodness coming out of this. And and I guess the the simple way that I want to say this is we got to grow up more like the Jetsons and not like the Matrix. And hopefully you're old enough and cool enough to understand what I'm saying right now. You know, on the Jetsons, and if you've never seen it, go on YouTube and watch a few uh, episodes. On the Jetsons, there was automation all around the Jetson family that helped them in their lives. They were happy people. They were friends with their machines. The machines helped them to get through their life. The Matrix, the machines take over. The machines become your life. Now you have no life because the machines tell you what to do and the machines become your life. So there you go. There's my saying for the week, be the Jetsons and not the Matrix. There are two paths. I mean, when you think about cognitive automation in the future, there are two paths, right? The technology organized to help us in very healthy ways versus the technology owns us because we become completely dependent on it. And now it's just telling us what to do and we're just having to do it or we're just choosing to do it, whether we like it or not, because we're just compliant to the mesh. And I don't think we ever should get there. We have a choice as far as how we create that balance. And we have the choice. You know, it's us that sets up that mesh. It's us that is going to react to the mesh. We have a choice of what we do with the mesh. We have a choice, by the way, to go off the grid and not attach to any of the automation. We have a choice to bounce back and forth. Hey, you could be involved in personal automation all week long, but on the weekends have none of it, right? We have a choice. And the key word here is balance. I love the automated mesh I have in my life, but I also love to go be in the mountains and be completely away from the mesh where it isn't talking to me at all. It's running or it's not running and I don't really care that much which, right? I, I am perfectly happy to be involved and attached to the mesh in my life or not. That's the way I feel about automation. I can go on a walk from my house and not take my phone, not take an Apple Watch and be perfectly safe and happy, right? We've got to create a balance in life so that we are more the Jetsons. That there's the human side of us, the disconnected from the automation that can be perfectly happy. And then we can have a balance where we think of the mesh in our life, the automation that we have as a blessing, but not a master to my existence. And I think that's where we need to get. I don't want people to get addicted to this growing personal automation that we have that I think is wonderful, but I think also, you know, can have some consequences if we don't create that balance. All right. The last podcast in this series is going to be looking specifically at the future of automation. So what will the world look like in a much more automated state? And I'm going to do this across business and personal. I just want to really paint some interesting pictures for you of what automation will look like in the future 
future? How will it make our lives look and feel different? How will it make organizations look and feel and operate differently? I think it's critical to, to step back when we talk about a digital transformation or a humology transformation and, and look at, all right, what does a highly automated world look like? And so I want to paint those pictures for you in an interesting way with the last episode. All right, I want to thank you for listening. I want you to have a great humology day. Make your choices, connect to the technology, disconnect from the technology, find your balance. But most of all, just have a great humology day. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening and giving these ideas a chance. Let this be a two-way conversation and connect with me on Twitter at S. Klesoski or on LinkedIn. I also write a blog that you can find at scottklesoski.com. An added bonus is a library of thought-leading graphics you can download from the site. One more thing, please take a moment and rate this podcast on whatever platform you use. Ideas are powerful change agents, and positive reviews will help spread the digital optimism.